Okay, I'm glad you're here. Now I want to discuss the giving of the Torah itself. So, we talk about this idea of heaven coming down to earth, right? And we're going we're gonna to get more into that. But it, it struck me that as beautiful as that phraseology is, and I, I use it all the time, heaven coming down to earth, and I, I think that the Torah itself even refers to it that way at, at Mount Sinai, basically. I, I think that one can be misled by that phraseology. Okay? And, and let, me, let me tell you what I mean by that. They might actually hear with their, in their subconscious mind, not rationally speaking, that an invasion has taken place. <laughs> came down to earth. <laughs> you know, when the, the, the sages say that when we built the Tower of Babel, one of the things that we were trying to do is since God had brought in the, right, in the, right in the previous chapter in, 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 in Breshis, in, in, in Genesis, you have the idea that basically man became extremely morally corrupt and God brings this flood and the, the sages say that the idea of the Tower of Babel was to build this enormous structure that would protect mankind from any future floods. But the idea being that not that man should become a more refined spiritual creature, but that we can continue to do whatever we want to do and now have independence from God because he can't get us with a flood anymore. So, so it's... One might think that, you know, when heaven comes down to earth, like, is that a good thing? You know? <coughs> so I, I want to just play with the phraseology of that a little bit. What do we mean when we say heaven came down to earth? Basically, God just revealed his presence on earth <laughs> in a heavenly way. <laughs> In other words, we talk about, we, we, we talk about, you know, we want to make God one. Let's make God one. God is already one. O-N-E. God is already one. What we're really doing is revealing his oneness. So what, what happened at Mount Sinai was, as much as heaven came down to earth, and that's not incorrect, but I, I want to just approach it from a slightly different angle. What really happened was God's God's, God's present oneness on earth was revealed. <coughs> this, this is, and, and we realize that earth is actually heavenly. <coughs> so, so, so now let's, let's, so let's, let's talk about this some more. So this is the whole idea of the top down, right? And, and I want to talk about the counting of the, of the Omer. Because I noticed something on the page, which sort of like, after years and years and years of, of counting the Omer, all of a sudden I looked at the page and realized, holy smokes, you know, there's something going on here that I, no one ever told me. And it's a very, in my opinion, very dramatic 
dynamic that's going on there that's not being written about. So what is it? So let's just start from the beginning before we get to that idea. So we're counting up one day every day till the receiving of the Torah Mount Sinai. So, so that in itself is actually sort of mysterious slash hilarious because the Torah is given on the 50th day and we only count to 49. So the question is, if you're going to be counting at all, count to 50. That's the whole point. The point is the Torah is being given on the 50th day. Count to 50. Why are you only counting to 49? Okay? So, so we have to understand something. I think this is a big idea in itself. Which is, you see, you, you can't count the number 50 the day the Torah was actually given. You can't count the number 50 because that day is, it's beyond. And you can't put a number, you can't put parameters on that revelation because it's beyond, 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 beyond. All right, now with that in mind, that means that the difference between the distance between day I'm making up these numbers, 5 and 6, or between 20 and 21, or between 47 and 48, right? Cannot even measure or compare between the difference between day 49 and day 50. Day 50 is a quantum leap. It's a quantum leap. So that's, 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 that's just just in terms of our understanding of what's going on. Okay, that's, that's one approach in terms of the counting. Now I want to give you a completely different approach, which is I started with the following premise, which is that it's all about counting to the number 50, right? So why are we counting to 50? That was our first approach. Here's a different approach. It's not about counting to the number 50 at all. It's only about counting to number 49, why? Because Sphiris HaOmer, this entire period, is just about the preparation to receive. See, this is a completely different approach to the Omer period. It's not about the giving of the Torah. The giving of the Torah is a whole separate holiday, which is why we're not counting 50 at all. 1 through 49 is all about making ourselves a vessel to receive the Torah. This is a different, different idea. Okay? Ultimately, they do mesh together, but it answers this question about why we're not counting 49, or why we're not counting 50, or why, of course, we're not counting 50. <laughs> so the first approach is, why aren't we counting 50? The second is, of course, we're not counting 50. <laughs> so, so, so now let's get to this super cool dynamic. And you see this actually... On, on, on the, the, the art scroll sitter has a, has a beautiful chart which um, spells this out really nicely but all uh, Sidorim, all, all, all prayer books have uh, like um, by the counting of the Omer like underneath they'll, they'll indicate the sphere a day what's nice about the, the art scroll is that it gives you a, a nice chart where it's like laid out a little bit more clearly and in this particular edition of the Arts Cult, it's on page 286. But anyway, you have the counting from 1 to 49. And then in this column over here, you have, um, you have the, the Sphira coordinate. 
for the for the day. So, so, so for instance, day one is Chesed Shebechesed. Day two is Gvur Shebechesed. And it goes all the way down to you get to Malchus, and the final count is Malchus Shebemalchus. Okay. So let me just give a one-minute primer on what the spherot are, just because this is like, you know, it's kind of funny, like when you get into sort of like more Hasidic slash Kabbalistic learning, the spherot are so basic. It's just sort of like, oh, you've got the, the right arm, hands, the, you know, the, the whatever, the donut to the left arm, <laughs> and then, it, then the brain signals the hand, and it goes to the mouth, and then you chew. I mean, it's sort of like, it's, it's heavenly anatomy. It's heavenly anatomy. It's very kind of, the concepts are very basic. But unless you're familiar with some of the terminology and the basic premises, it can all just seem like, I, I don't understand any of this because you don't understand the terminology. So let's just make it super simple. So the idea is like this. And again, whenever we're using descriptions and everything like this, don't take them literally because the rabbis just gave us the, 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 these terms and images in order that we'd have anything to hang our thoughts on. But remember, God is beyond, beyond, beyond. As I used to say to my children, God doesn't have a body. God makes bodies, <laughs> right? There's a very big difference. So, so anyway, the idea is like this. God took his outer garment of light, right? Whatever that means, right? But it's, God's not wearing clothes. Okay. But God took this outer garment of light and he condensed this light and formed this light until he made the world. Okay? So, so this is actually very Einsteinian. Like physics is catching up to this idea, e equals mc squared, that energy becomes mass. So, so the idea that God took this divine energy, this divine light, and created a physical universe out of it, this is basically... 10,000% consistent with, with, with what physics is talking about. Just putting numbers to concepts that we've had from, from the very outset. Okay. So now this light, this light, this, this light that Hashem formed had different sort of like attributes to it. Okay. So there are 10 different major attributes that can be used to describe this light. And and these are called the ten spherot. So in other words, this light was formed, these spherot, interchangeable, were formed and compressed into this world. And the light wasn't just a simple light, but it had ten basic ingredients to it. Okay? So each ingredient is a separate sphere. And, and, um, and so, and there are ten of them. Okay. Now, when we talk about these ten spherot, they're divided in different ways. Sort of the major division of them is the top three and the bottom seven. And oftentimes, we'll just talk about one or the other. Sometimes we'll just talk about the top three. Like Chabad is an acronym of Hachma, Bina, and Das. Those are the top three. Okay? So sometimes we're just talking about the top three. Sometimes we're talking about the lower seven. Okay? So when we're talking about the receiving of the Torah, there's seven weeks from Pesach to Shavuos. So those seven weeks correlate with the lower seven sphera. 
Very good. Okay. Now, the names of these spherot go, go in the following order. Chesed, Gevura, Teferet, Netzach, Chod, Yesod, and Malchus. All right. Now, Malchus, it's, that was going from the top down, what I just told you. So Malchus, which means Malchus has the word Melech in it, like king, right, or, or kingdom. That is this realm that we live in now. This dimension that we live in now is, is Malchus. Okay? Now listen to the following. Now, with that background, with that background, we can, we can get to this amazing thing that's just sort of like sitting here on the page that no one's indicating, okay? Which is, we know that we're starting with the number one, and we're counting up to 49. And we know that each time we say a number, we're doing the sphera coordinate that aligns with it, okay? So I would think that day one, since we're counting up to 49, counting up to the top, so the sphera that we're, that we're talking about would also be the bottom sphere, since we're going up, right? And yet, that would mean on day one, we should be saying, Malchus Sheba Malchus. Because if this is the realm of Malchus, and we're climbing the ladder to heaven, let's start at the bottom, and since this is the bottom right now, and this is the sphere of Malchus, let's start with Malchus, and then build all the way up to the top of he- to heaven, to, to the top of the seven, which would be chesed. And yet, if you look at, the, at what we say, the first day is chesed sheba chesed. It's the top of chesed, which means that there is this opposite inverse dynamic going on. We're not just sort of like climbing days and then climbing from the bottom level of um, energy articulated, you know, <laughs> coordinates to the top. We're not just doing that. We're going with our number count from below to above, 1 to 49. And with our sphere count, we're starting at the top at the very beginning of the process with chesed and going all the way down to malchus. So, so you have to imagine, I'm sort of doing it with my hands right now, that the number count is going up while the sphere account is simultaneously coming down. What does that mean? So very simply, what we're being told is, since as we're counting, we're refining ourselves and making ourselves into more of a vessel, right? As we refine ourselves, we bring down more and more heavenly light till the end of the process where we've completely refined ourselves and we've brought down the highest light <coughs> to Malchus, Shabbat Malchus, to this dimension right now. Now, isn't that interesting that on the 49th day, by the way, I was engaged on the 49th day of the sphere, so it's, I have to tell my wife that. Well, she, she knows, but I don't know if she is hearing what I'm saying right now. That, that so to speak, she she slash we fully came down from heaven on the end of that process, so to speak, right? Because it says that 
when a couple gets married, they're sort of being, their bodies are being reunited under the chuppah, but they start off as one soul, right? So, but everyone should know that people have more than one uh, soulmate, you know? There's, a, there's what the, the Talmud talks about, the zivig sheni. So there's, uh, there, there are others out there as well. So anyway, the, the, the bottom line is that uh, that the beginning days of the sphera are days of mourning. And you can ask yourself this question, like, why would this be the case? Until we get to the, until we get to Lagba Omer, we're sort of like, we're not listening to live music and everything like that. So here's a, 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 a to me, a very interesting question. Why is it that at the beginning of the process, the beginning of the counting of the process, when the highest light is coming down from heaven, right? Because day one we're doing chesed of a chesed and, you know, all the rest. Why is it that those are days of mourning? We don't take haircuts. If you can not shave, then you're not supposed to shave. So parties, we don't have parties. Why is that? Why is that? I would think when the highest light is coming down, these should be the most happy, exalted days. So, full disclosure, in truth, they used to be the happiest days. And, and the Ramban famously points out the fact that really Pesach and Shavuos is one big holiday. And that all these 49 days in between are Cholamoid. It's one big holiday like you have, if you don't know the expression or the term Cholamoid, like when you have seven-day holidays like Pesach and Sukkot, or eight days if you're outside of Israel, the, the, the first and last days are holidays like Shabbos, but the middle days, it's still a holiday, but you can, you can ride in your car and you can spend money and you can use electricity and all the rest. So those middle days are Cholamoid. So what's interesting is this idea that leaving Egypt, Pesach, and receiving the Torah at Mount Sinai is one holiday. It's one holiday. And all the days in between, it's Cholamoid. Because it's one holiday. That's the Ramban. Now, now listen to this. I learned this from Rebeli Chaim, Karlbach, Allah Shalom. I, was, I had the privilege of being at his Seder table one year. And he said in the name of the Yishbitzer Rebbe, that the reason why we have an egg on the Seder table, according to the Ishvitzer Rebbe, is because an egg is just half the story. The other half is the chicken that comes out of the egg. So we have an egg on the Pesach table to remind ourselves that Pesach is just half the holiday, that the other half is the receiving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. And in fact, the Chumash itself says this, because, and this is another sort of like just piece of Jewish literacy that I wish everybody knew more widely, that the burning bush was at Mount Sinai. And Hashem says to Moshe, which is at the beginning of the whole process of being taken out of Egypt, you're going to take the Jewish people out of Egypt and return back to this spot. The entire purpose of the whole taking out of Egypt was just to get us back to Mount Sinai. So it's not like we're at we're at, um, you know, we're being freed from Egypt. And it's sort of like, oh, great, God, you're freeing us from Egypt. Oh, you're giving us the Torah? 
Now, the whole point was to get the Torah. So <laughs> the whole point. You know, it's it's tragic and emblematic of our spiritual state. Unfortunately, I don't want to say anything bad, but we should just recognize this, that at least in America, probably the least known holiday is Shavuos, which is the central moment of what it means to be a Jew. The receiving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. This is the core moment. And the whole, mo- the whole reason why, and the Torah says it itself, why we were even taken out of Egypt. So, so let's, I want to, I want to go deeper. We talked about it, we talked about it last week, and, uh, in this, in this talk um, from, from Matzah to Bread, that there's this very interesting progression. We go from Matzah and, and, and Pesach, and then along the way we're eating man. And remember what man was? That was man was manna. That was the bread that helped from the bread that fell from heaven. And that was like like it says in Gomorrah Yuma from Rabbi Akiva, this is the this was condensed light. That's what, what mana was. It was condensed light. And we get to this sort of it sort of like just expands our consciousness and cleans out our insides. And now we're becoming really vessels to receive the Torah. And then that happens on the fiftieth day. And the offering that we brought on the fiftieth day was was bread. Right? But it wasn't, it wasn't just any kind of bread. It was bread that correlates with this number 50. <laughs> so, so, so the rabbis say, they, they debate in the, in the Gomorrah, what was the fruit from the tree of knowledge? So one opinion is that it was actually wheat that wheat stalks grew so high they looked like trees back then. So they, it looked like a tree. And the fruit from the tree of knowledge was wheat. And so when we get to the 50th day and we accept the Torah, that basically this becomes a rectification from eating from the tree of knowledge. That we rise up beyond, and it's a fixing for having eaten from the tree of knowledge. And of course it says in the Gomorrah, uh, in in Masechta Shabbos, on page eighty-eight, it says that 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 the Jews reached this level of like Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve before they ate from the tree of knowledge when we accepted the Torah at Mount Sinai. Okay. So, so, so I wanted to add something, which was that really, as much as we're looking at, as much as we're looking at the process of starting up as matzah and getting to this level of bread and matzah is more, more sort of, you know, it just kind of getting to bread. It's like this evolution that's taking place that it's not just simple bread that we're getting to, but we're getting to this sort of like exalted level of pre-eating from the tree of knowledge bread. It's, it's, it's a higher bread because 
because I think that's an, an instructive, important point, because on, 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 on Pesach, we say all sorts of nasty things about bread. <laughs> we say that bread equals ego, and chametz is like, you know, you're all puffed up and all the rest. So how could it be that we're trying to evolve to this place of ego and being puffed up and everything like that, right? So, but if you understand that the bread that we're bringing on the 50th day is this bread, which is the fixing of, of eating from the tree of knowledge and everything like this, then you realize that this evolution that we're, that, that track that we're on is, is, is very amazing. But it can only happen with Torah. In other words, a person can only not become completely self-involved and fall victim to their own human condition unless we have Torah. It just doesn't work. Torah is that harmonizing value, that heavenly energy, which allows us to transcend our own limitations. Okay. Now with that in mind, I want to turn back the clock and just review this point. When it says that God made the very first person, it says, And God formed the man of dust from the ground, and he blew into his nostrils the soul of life, and man became a living being. So the last three words, ha'adam l'nefesh chaya, if you rearrange the first three letters, you go backwards, the ches from chaya, the lamed from l'nefesh, and the hey from ha'adam, it spells chala, it spells bread. And it says actually that imagery is that God sort of like took the dust of the earth and shaped it and molded it into the human form, and then God blew our souls into us. So it's like the imagery of needing challah, right? And then, as Ari Epstein pointed out, if you take that, that's the Matnas Kahuna, who points out that it hints at challah, right? And if you take the last three letters, just in a row, Ha'adam Lunefesh Chaya, it's Mem Shin He, which is Moshe. So there's a reference to Moshe, at the very beginning of the creation of the human being. So in other words, here we are before we ate from the tree of knowledge and we're called bread, but it's bread with Torah because we say Torah Moshe, right? So, so the, this, this idea of the harmonizing effect of Torah and the creation of human beings is there from the very outset. Because the same sequence of words, which is comparing us to bread, chala, right? And the imagery of the rabbis is that we're formed and kneaded like dough, is simultaneously existing with this name Moshe, which is Torah. So in other words, the process is not just from matzah to bread on the 50th day, which is this exalted above the tree of knowledge bread. It's from our very creation where we're compared to bread from the very outset with Torah to bread again with Torah on the 50th day of Shavuos because the offering we brought to the base of Mikdash was bread. So in other words, we're going from bread to bread. Or said another way, the restoration of equilibrium. It's the restoration of equilibrium. The process begins with us as Torah bread and it ends on the 50th day 
with us as Torah bread. And you see, even that puffed up aspect of it is, is divine. Every aspect of it, because there's a role for every single quality. There's a role for every single quality. And it even says that a Talmud Chacham has to be like, have just the slightest degree, one-eighth of one-eighth of gaiva. Because there's certain instances where a person has to actually assume a position of honor in order to lend honor to the Torah. So, so there's a role for absolutely everything, but we need the Torah to tell us exactly when those manifestations are appropriate. Because otherwise we get ourselves into trouble. I'll tell you something. Let me just give you an example. Because this is so, for me, this was so counterintuitive when I read it that I, I just I just want to share. So King David, here's a story from Tanakh, and it was our Haftorah a couple weeks ago. King David is bringing the Ark of the Torah back to the Jewish people. Okay? So this is a, like a big moment. The police team captured the Ark. It was a huge national tragedy. It was like basically like like the destruction of the Beis Amigdash. I mean, it was a huge, huge heartbreak moment in Jewish history. We lost, can you imagine, we lost the golden Ark of the, of the, of the Covenant. The, the Ark of the Covenant. We lost it. It was captured in wartime. It was horrible. It was a horrible moment. But then we got it back. So it was like a really happy moment, right? And King David is now bringing it back, right, to Ir David. And... He puts it on this wagon and there's like musicians and there's a parade and it's like this like big happy moment and then the wagon shakes for a moment and one of the people like sees that the maybe the ark is going to fall he goes to try to catch it and he dies on the spot it's like this heavenly like thunderbolt basically that he just dies on the spot now so David immediately thinks you know, who am I to bring back the ark to to Ir David? You know, this is just a divine sign that I'm not the guy to do it, right? So he assigns the ark to a person's house. I, I can't tell you the name off the top of my head. It's right there in the Haftarah, though. And, and while it's in this person's house for a period of, I, I don't know whether it was three weeks or three months, but not that long a period, that person experiences tremendous blessing. Right? Now here's my question. If you're King David, how do you react at that moment? So I would, I'll just tell you how I personally would react, which is why I'm sharing this with you. I would have said, okay, God likes that guy. <laughs> he doesn't like me. Very happy with the art thing over there. I did my best. I put out a whole parade, I, I, I had musicians, I, my, my intentions were only good, you know, someone died in the process, clearly that was my fault, and it's not like 
God isn't capable of showing divine favor. He's actively showing it to this person right now. God's made his choice. I'll just hang out in the background. So that's how I would have, that's how I would have reacted. Here's how King David reacted. King David was like, God is bringing blessing to that person's house. We're back in business. Let me go and get the ark and, and bring it and bring it to Ir David. And that's what he did. <laughs> I mean, look how King David thinks. And he was right. He was right. You see, it's so easy to be insecure. And sometimes it's so absolutely inappropriate and incorrect. So, so it's, it's, you know, I think it's like a, almost a, a good litmus test, you know, to just ask someone that question. Like, you can really get a sense for them. Because I asked my kids and they said, oh, we'd take the ark at that moment. I'd be, I was shocked. I was really, really? That's, I'm overjoyed, believe me. I'm so happy that that's how you would react. But that, that's fantastic. You know? So, so this is what I'm trying to say, that, that there's, there's a place for all. One may have thought if, if before you heard that that was the right answer, you know? You know? And, and by the way, so a lot of times we say, oh, there are many answers, and there are many answers. No, this was the right answer. <laughs> Taking the ark and then bringing it to ear W. That was the right answer. Okay? So, so, but you see that that required a level of confidence and, and security in terms of his feelings and his relationship with God. And you see the appropriateness of that. So you see that, that with Torah, literally with Torah, because he was transporting the Torah, with Torah we understand how to channel these different emotions, even emotions that we think like, oh no, that, that's overconfidence, that's, that's presumption, that's, that's arrogance, right? No, not in this instance. So, so the Torah teaches us how to channel all these aspects of ourselves in the appropriate way at the appropriate time. Okay. Now let's start to wrap it up. So, so, What it, we, we said that there, there are two, there's, a, there's a twin dynamic to the counting process. We're counting up 1 to 50, but at the same time, the energy is coming from the highest level down. Okay? And we also said that in the beginning of Jewish history, or I don't know if we said it, but in the beginning of Jewish history, those initial days when the highest light is coming down were holidays, like the Ramban says. It was Cholamite. Big holiday. But at a certain point, because of the students of Rabbi Akiva not giving each other sufficient covet, honor, respecting the different opinions, it turned into a period of mourning. And so now I'd like to give my answer why it is that when the highest light is coming down, it's a period of mourning right now. And the answer is, is because today we don't have vessels to hold the light. 
it's a it's a it's a very high emanation of light and we don't have the vessels to hold the light now when is the turning point of this process of below to above and above to below where wh what is the turning point in this process so everybody knows the Bnei Yisachar brings down that this 49-day period can be divided into two chunks, 17 and 32, or 32 and 17, more appropriately. 32 is the gematria lave, heart, and 17 is good. So, in other words, the, the, the four, this 49-day period spells out a good heart. And that transition takes place on Lagba Omer on the 33rd day. Okay? That's when, so to speak, we get the vessels for a good heart. <laughs> because that's when the morning ends. And that's when you have now the vessel to hold this light. You see, it's not by coincidence that you get this vessel to hold this light on the 33rd day. Because the 33rd day, we're celebrating the light of. Uh, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And who is Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai? He was the author of the Zohar. He is the one who revealed the secrets. How is it that people don't get along and fight with each other and don't have vessels to hold the light? Because there's a secret inside the other person. When I say a secret, I don't mean I did this and didn't tell you. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a mysterious, unrevealed quality. Right? And when, when the inside becomes the outside, in other words, when you're able to appreciate the fact that this world contains trillions, beyond trillions of secrets, beyond trillions of, of secrets, when, when you, but, but, but when you can look at the outside and not necessarily understand all the secrets and all the mysteries, but you can appreciate that they're there, then we begin to have an appreciation for each other. Right? Because who knows what you contain? Who knows what I contain? Do we even know what our own selves contain? So let me... So, so it says in Pirkei Avos, and then I'm going to tell you a story and we'll finish up. In, in Pirkei Avos, it says, what's, what's the greatest trait a person can have? So one rabbi says, a good eye. Another rabbi says, to repay debts. Another rabbi says, to, to know it's coming, to be a good neighbor. Another rabbi says, to, to have a good heart. And then their rabbi says, ah, that's, that's the answer, to have a good heart. Because that contains, all the other ones that you mentioned are all contained in a good heart. So you see that a good heart is a vessel for all of the greatest attributes. And you see that that becomes the turning point. 49 is 32 plus 17, lev tov. They've told that when we have that vessel, which is a good heart, then we can hold all the light. And one of the aspects of being able to be this type of vessel, and why it correlates with Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, who's the author of the Zohar, the revealer of secrets, is to understand that when you're dealing with someone else, you're not getting everything. But if you know that there's more there, then you begin to at least appreciate that there's something, that there's another point of view. Doesn't mean that you have to agree. Doesn't mean that you have to agree. But that recognition and that honoring the existence of the other point of view creates peace.
And they say shalom, peace, is the ultimate vessel. So I was having, um, I went to the dentist, uh, I guess it was last week, and I was having my teeth cleaned, and the hygienist who, you know, no discernible ethnicity, was cleaning my teeth and pointed out that she had seen me in the kosher market. And I was like, oh, okay, you know. I, I, I said, well, did we talk? And she said, no, 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 we, we didn't talk. And so I was like, I thought maybe I had yeah. forgotten, so, but no, she didn't say anything. She just had seen me. I was like, okay. Then, you know, when you're having your teeth cleaned, you're not doing the talking, they're doing the talking. <laughs> so maybe five, ten minutes later, she says to me, is it, is it Parsha Shimini? And I was, I was like, yeah, and she goes, oh, yeah, that's my husband's birth, Parsha. Like, okay. And maybe five, ten minutes later, she says, because this was just a few days after Pesach, she says, do you like matzah brie? I was like, I was like oh, uh, yeah. And she's like, yeah, I, I, I like matzah brie a lot. I was like, okay. Then I'm getting this feeling like I want to send her a talk. You know, and I had a very particular talk in mind. And I, after the appointment, I said to her, you know, would you like to hear a talk? Can I send you a talk? And she doesn't know me at all. You know, she doesn't know I really give talks or anything like this. And she said, oh yeah, I would, I would love a talk, you know. So I find the talk on the website at toranitunes.com and, and I ask her to put in her address and press send, okay. So I make my next appointment and I leave the office. Now, this is where the story starts. She runs out into the hallway and she has tears in her eyes. And she says, David. I said, you know, I'm startled. Yes. <laughs> Turn around, she says. I just saw what you sent me. She said, last night I got up. I woke up at like four in the morning. And I know that this time before the sun rises is the time when God is in with its tzaddikim in the Garden of Eden. And so I thought to myself, why don't I get up now and learn Torah? Can you imagine? And she says, while I'm learning Torah, I realize, you know, Hashem the Creator, she said, the Creator is my best friend. And I just saw what you sent me. The name of the talk was Making Hashem Your Best Friend. And really tears in her eyes, you know. So, like I say, you know, here's a person getting up in the middle of the night to learn Torah because this is the time that Hashem is with the tzaddikim in the Garden of Eden. Would I have guessed that in a million years from our conversation that we were having? So what do we know? What do we know? What do we know about each other? Really, what do we know about ourselves?
But the world is evolving, and we are evolving, and it's it happens so slowly often that you you think it's not happening. But remember, Rabbi Akiva started learning Torah when he was 40 years old and saved Judaism. The Gomorrah recounts that Moshe came to a lecture of Rabbi Akiva, of course Moshe is very long before Rabbi Akiva, and says to God, why didn't you give the Torah to Rabbi Akiva? So I learned the following, that the turning point in Rabbi Akiva's life was there was a drop of water, drop, 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 and it was hitting a rock. And he noticed that it made a hole in the rock. And of course, water is compared to Torah. And here's the conclusion that he drew. I, I learned this, I, I don't remember this first, I'm sorry. But from a very great person. was that every single time that water was dripping on the rock, it looked like it was making no impact whatsoever. And yet you see over time, it was actually having an enormous impact. And so he said, if water, which is likened to Torah, right? If water can go through a rock, then Torah can certainly go through my heart, which is like a rock. And the mistake that we make is because we don't see the immediate effect of things, mm -hmm. we make the assumption that nothing is happening. Something is happening. Because eventually that water made the hole through the rock. But this was over a period of time. The world is evolving. The world is evolving and actually, if you want to just think about it, at a tremendous speed in front of our eyes right now. You can see it. You can actually see it happening in a very amazing slash alarming way. You know, it's happening. So, with your forgiveness, I just want to wrap it up with one last thing. You see, we said that the process is from really bread at the very beginning. Tamatza, taman, back to bread. Okay? Man, we mentioned is the Gematria 90. Now, 91 is a very big number in Torah because it's two names of Hashem together, Yud Ke Vav Ke, and Aleph Dalet Nun and Yud, together add up to 91, which stands for heaven and earth coming together. So, the process is that the man, so to speak, made us ready to receive the Torah. As the rabbis say, the Torah was only given to the generation that ate man because it cleaned us out and made us ready. So it got us to 90, but not 91. <laughs> you see, it got us to 90, which is, so to speak, like the ceiling of earth, if you will. <laughs> but not 91, where heaven and earth come together. But isn't it interesting that we count to 49, and then we add one? <laughs> we add one for the day of the revelation. And I wanted to say that that one is, a, is not just an olive, right? Olive is one. That's the, we know the, that's the white fire olive, because we know the Torah is black fire and white fire. That's, that's the white fire olive before the, the black fire bays of Breshis. 
right? Because we know God looked into the Torah and then created the world. That the Torah existed before the world existed. So we eat the man, we get refined, we're like a great vessel right now. We're at 90, man is 90, but we got to get to 91 where heaven and earth come together, which is on the 50th day, which is adding one more, right? Which gets us to 91, which is heaven and earth, yud ke vav ke and aleph dalad nun and yud coming together. So Hashem should bless us that really we should just become vessels meaning to say to have a good heart and the, if you want the greatest shortcut to having a good heart I'll give you the greatest shortcut there are no shortcuts but here's a shortcut <laughs> the greatest shortcut to having a good heart is knowing that God is good 